I think it's always hard to justify company events in Marrakesh, particularly when it seems it was largely male gatherings. And the allegations concern uh, uh, 8-12 men, depending on which version you read, who were allegedly sex trafficked to uh, Morocco. That was Jonathan Armstrong. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to the award-winning Life with GDPR. Today, we take things in a little bit different direction as we take up the untoward behavior as alleged against former Abercrombie & Fitch CEO Mike Jeffries and his alleged sex trafficking of male models. It's a disturbing case, it's an important case, and it's a case every compliance professional needs to study, learn, and listen to. Thanks very much, Tom. I'm still in Chicago after a, I think, successful SCCE conference. And I'm going to talk about uh, uh, some news that was just breaking when we did our panel. So we did our panel on bad behavior. And I know it's something I've banged on a bit recently on this podcast about CEO risk. So is your CEO one of your biggest risks? Should your CEO be on the risk register for your corporation? I think there's also a challenge for compliance officers, particularly that a lot of programs are are set up to push compliance down the organization, but not so well set up to push compliance up the organization. And I've certainly had cases where management have thought that they're exempt from compliance initiatives, even things as simple as locking their mobile devices and having security on those. And this is another case that's uh, somewhat similar. As the then, as the father of then teenage daughters, I used to spend a lot of my US trips in Aber- uh, Abercrombie and uncomfortable uh, about some of those stores. I couldn't quite pin my finger on why. Obviously, I welcomed the constant playing of Rick Astley music at their store in Fifth Avenue. I liked the design uh, stag, copied bits of it, but I was always a bit uncomfortable about the meters and greeters. Now, since this is a family podcast, I'll show you the details. But in the New York Hollister store, for example, the bikini-clad girls were just at the wrong angle on the stairs for it to be decent. And I always thought that the male greeters were somewhat, I don't know, over-enthusiastic, certainly to British tastes. And it seems that others have had those concerns as well. Mary Shirley and Chris Rob. Robert and I gave a sort of list of CEOs that seem to have behaved badly. And I think to that list, we can now add Mike Jeffries. So the story is somewhat curious. He, it seems, isn't even certain of his own date of birth. He was either born in 1944 or 1945. He's married and he has one son. He was previously known, obviously, for turning A&F from old school clothier to a hip place where 
middle-aged men were directed to visit by their teenage daughters. And he was also known for his, at times, staggering levels of compensation. $25 million one year, $48 million another year. He stepped down in 2014, in part because it seemed that the magic that he'd done with the brand had faded, and in part because there were concerns about his relationship with Matthew Smith. Matthew Smith is variously described as Mike Jeffrey's mentor, his business associate, and his friend. But it seemed that Smith and Jeffries lived together. And at times, Jeffries has described himself as a gay man. And the allegations seem to concern, uh, in particular, a number of parties, both at the house that they shared in New York and in London, Paris, Venice, and Marrakesh. Now, as a side note, I think it's always hard to justify company events in Marrakesh, particularly when it seems it was largely male gatherings. And the allegations concern uh, uh, 12 men, depending on which version you read, who were allegedly sex trafficked to uh, Morocco for uh, these parties and to other places. They were, it seems that a number of them were auditioned for the party by an intermediary known to Jeffries and to Smith, strikingly a man without a nose. And this man would then require them or ask them to perform sex acts. He'd give them £500 in cash and then tell them that they'd got the gig. There are also other disturbing allegations of forced drug use and some of the men being shaved because apparently Smith allegedly had an aversion to male body hair. And what's Jeffrey's said? Jeffrey's lawyer has been in touch with the BBC, who've worked, I think, for about three years on this investigation. And effectively, all he said is that Mr. Jeffries is 79, he's retired, he has chosen not to comment on media reports in the past, and he does not plan on doing so now. So, hardly a denial, and clearly, if the allegations are true, another case of CEOs behaving badly and exposing the corporation to risk. Now, as many of my wife's a magistrate and deals with criminal cases, I think the criminal courts in the UK have seen a big rise in allegations of sexual misbehaviour that are somewhat historic after figures in public life have been exposed. And I think that might be a pattern of this case in particular. Perhaps the victims are emboldened to come forward after people like Harvey Weinstein have received justice for what on their face seem to be similar acts. But I think the challenge for compliance officers is obviously these are historic events, but that doesn't mean necessarily that you can forget them. It's likely that employees who are involved in these events are still with the corporation. The allegations include the fact 
that ANF employees in ANF uniforms held people down and shaved them, etc., etc. There is, in my mind, at least a prima facie case for saying that ANF have to investigate. These are difficult investigations to do. Uh, I know I've done one in not in terms of same-sex behaviour, but in terms of egregious behaviour by a former CEO picking uh, girls at the holiday party for various acts. As I say, they're very challenging investigations to do, particularly when you're asking people to volunteer events that took place some time ago and which they might have put to the back of their mind. But they're necessary. And the victims that we had in our investigation thanked us for doing it and felt that it was a sign that the corporation regretted the past, that it was trying to look after them, and that it moved on. In the investigation that I did, the individual's continuing remuneration was cancelled. I know you're going to talk about the cancellation options, etc. in future. But these aren't pointless investigations, even if they're for events five or six or ten years ago. The corporation has to heal. And whether these allegations are true or not, they need to be investigated, however challenging that might be. Well, Jonathan, I'm going to start off with perhaps where you started with the risk and CEO risk. Uh, we have friends who perform deep dive, deep level due diligence on individuals, and they advocate you really have to do that when you move to the senior executive level because the risk to the corporation can be so great. And in most of the situations that I've seen that have become public, there was a clear pattern of behavior. Somebody just didn't wake up one day and decide to become a serial harasser or serial abuser. They had done so at multiple corporations, whether it was incredibly attractive, incredibly buxom executive assistants, whether it was uh, something else, whether it was a series of promotions of former paramours. Did ANF or do you have any sense of whether there was any look or a deep dive due diligence uh, before he became CEO, or did this sort of appear on ANF's radar uh, without them performing a requisite amount of due diligence? I'm, I'm not sure it did. I, I, I guess if you had have done superficial due diligence, checking Wikipedia, etc., you'd have found a, a married man with a son. Whether that causes you to stop investigating, I don't But one of the other features of this case, as you say, due diligence is key for individuals who are going to be in such a prominent position. I'd suggest particularly, and um, I'm conscious of Christie's past, so I'm treading carefully, but I suspect particularly in the entertainment industry, particularly in fashion, particularly in retail, where you have often CEOs that are more creative in nature, I suspect sometimes creative equals living near the edge equals perhaps heightened due diligence. But the other staggering feature of this, I think, is the fact that it seems that nobody spoke up at the time. Corporate assets were being used for this. This is a man who was obviously wealthy 
beyond means. You don't take away $48 million from a busy on your uppers. And at the same time, the allegations seem to involve use of the corporate jet for some of these parties, use of people who are on the ANF payroll to, uh, to host them. And you, you've got to think, if you're ANF, that not only have you failed in your due diligence and your onboarding of uh, this individual, possibly of people close to him as well, what was Smith's role in the organisation? Why was he party to a lot of the corporation's diligence, etc.? And but then the the critical thing is why did nobody speak up? Why were there hundreds, if not thousands, of bystanders in the corporation who thought all of this was okay? This is Tom Fox again. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Life with GDPR. If you've enjoyed our podcast, I hope you'll subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever great podcasts are listened to. We've linked to the quarterly compliance news alert on this case. So for more information, check out that news alert and the quarterly compliance site. Life with GDPR is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.